Let's go around the league and discuss every game in the SEC. We do it every week. Brent Rollins, Jim Donnan, Dane Young, presented by Breda Pest Management and Connor Grading and Landscaping. We know we want to hear more about Georgia and Ole Miss. That's going to be a little bit later in the show, so stick around for that. We want to get to some of these other impactful games in the league. And, Coach, I'm going to start with you. We have Tennessee, a one-point favorite on the road. That's right, Missouri, a home dog against Tennessee. Missouri's out of the SEC East race at this point. Tennessee, though, if it gets a win and Georgia were to lose, all of a sudden you have a battle for the SEC East the following week. Yeah, that's a lot of big ifs, but it's certainly there. And also prevalent in this game, Dane, would be maybe a chance for a New Year's Six game if uh, all of a sudden both the whichever team wins, wins out because, uh, you know, there's going to be that kind of possibility if Georgia beats – Ole Miss, and, you know, we already see LSU has three losses. So somebody in the SEC West might get one of those games if Alabama ends up being the champ, which it looks like. But, you know, the realism is here, uh, Luther Burden's health, if he's ready to roll, he presents a massive problem for this uh, Tennessee secondary. Tennessee has had really big problems against the pass. They're, they're, they're good stopping the run. They got a good front. And they run the ball, but they don't do a really good job of uh, making explosive plays on offense unless it's a running game, except against Connecticut, in which they had a great game. But I just think uh, Mizzou's got to be favored by the from the standpoint of an overall team. Certainly, Tennessee's got some really good uh, strengths that they match up with. And last year, Tennessee just rocked them, you know. I mean, but uh, it, it's last year's out of the way, but. I was really impressed with the way that uh, that Ole Miss schemed Georgia, the way they were able to run the ball, the way they were able to uh, get after the quarterback uh, for Georgia. So uh, unless Mizzou just falls apart and drops the ball a lot, uh, I got to think they're going to win this game. Big revenge game too. Tennessee hung 66 on them last year in Knoxville. Uh, so but like you said, Coach, I, I agree with the Missouri part. Missouri was very impressive, six and seven, especially six defensively. Darius Robinson, seven. Cody Schrader, the running back, both just really, really impressive players uh, and what they did against Georgia. But uh, the, the burden's health, yes. Does Brady Cook kind of get back to taking care of the football like he was? He's in the recent weeks. He doesn't hasn't necessarily taken care of the football as much. I, I do agree that this – I think this is going to be a great game. I think the one-point margin – Either way, whoever is the favorite. But Tennessee on the road has been a little bit different. I think Missouri being at home is a very big deal. And I think they're going to be able to rebound. I don't actually – I don't feel like they're a uh, – they're going to cave because of the you know, loss of Georgia and it was their season and things like that. I think psychologically they'll, they'll still be good and, and want to beat them. When you talk about Tennessee, Coach, you're right in terms of the past. It's If they don't get past Rush – uh, which they've done a decent job of Pierce uh, and Barron. But there is one guy for Tennessee that it will be interesting to see how they use him. And that's Kamal Haddon, uh, number five, who is now like, I think, third highest uh, coverage grade uh, in the FBS. His passer rating allowed is seven, which is the highest in the FBS. I mean, he's he's had a great season in terms of with three interceptions, six pass breakups. So do they, much like Georgia did with Lasseter and putting Lasseter in the slot on Burden, do they put – Haddon uh, in the slot uh, significantly there against Burton, like like Georgia did with Lazar. We'll see. But I, I do think this is going to be a phenomenal game. I lo I'd love the 
the, the game of it, it being the game leading up to Georgia uh, Ole Miss to watch. Three weeks to determine if this is a special season for Missouri or just a good season because they could lose to Tennessee. They could beat Tennessee. Oh. Florida the following week, I think you could argue both ways. And Arkansas at the end playing a little bit better. Like Those are three games that are probably winnable and losable for Missouri. If they win them all, though, that's that's a 10-2 season. And, and in the and New Year 10, Six, I think like Coach said, I think that's a New Year Six bowl game for them if they, if they went out which would be just incredible for where we are all talking. Eli Drinkwitz starting at the beginning of the season with, with Missouri. Let's talk about Florida Brent because uh, the Gators 13 and a half point underdogs down in death Valley LSU, the favorite there seven thirty is that kickoff time on the sec network 13 and a half, a lot of points, but uh, Florida not playing very well right now. And they got to win out and they got to win one of these games to get the bowl eligibility. Like can, can they do that with the gauntlet? Uh, that they have remaining it's this game, like watching LSU uh, against Alabama. I almost felt a little bit sorry for Jaden Daniels because he had to be Superman. Like he legit had to be Superman in that game. And he was for a half and then he wasn't in the game. And what he's done in terms of taking a leap as a passer like I don't, Coach, I don't know about you, but I think he's likely going to be a round one QB now. And I would have never thought that before the season. But the the playmaking ability and the leap he's taken as a passer, like I'm taking him because I, I, I over over some other guys that might be in that sort of QB three, QB four type discussion. But this will be interesting for Florida. I think the injuries on LSU's defense were way too much to overcome. They obviously couldn't stop us from scoring, I don't think. Yeah, when you look at Daniels, I think the thing that takes away from him a little bit is his motion makes you think he's not a pro quarterback, but, he, you know, he gets the results, and he's uh, just got that sixth sense for, to where to avoid the rush. And uh, But their defense is, is really uh, questionable at best, and it's been that way all year. When you look at Florida – I think both of you guys know how to count. The number after two is three. Mm-hmm. And if they don't win uh, at least one game here, they're going to have three consecutive losing seasons at the wow. University of Florida, which is unbelievable when all of us know what the potential is at that place. And you got to look at, hey, we can't start over again, but maybe they'll revitalize the staff or what they might do. But they have organizational problems. They're, they're playing at the end of the game. They can't even get their kicking team out there to run a fast field goal and get a substitution problem to win the game and have to move it back five yards. And they missed by about a yard on the field goal, which would have won the game because they couldn't figure out how to get their team on the field. Something that junior high teams do at the end of the game. We've seen it all year against the Utah having a guy with the same number on when they were kicking the ball. Uh, just a lot of different things that just you just can't have that happen if you're going to have a major college program, particularly when you got a staff that's as uh, big as their team is. Uh, and I like Billy. I think he's a good coach. Uh, he needs some help. Do you uh, think somebody, he somebody is the play calling stuff, Coach? Do you think? Yeah, he you know, I don't know. Work? I think you got to get some players to call it. I mean, that, that can make some plays. Their offensive line, everything about them, their defense is just uh, pathetic when they can't. Uh, you know, guys just have blinker lights. Everyone's they have so many busts. Maybe they're trying to do too much. I know Austin Armstrong's a good young coach. Maybe they're trying to do too much, but uh, 
you know, we know that Nussmeyer can probably come in and fill the void if, if Daniels can't go. But, uh, you know, they can make some some noise down there from the standpoint, you know, LSU is going to be low after losing to Alabama and everybody's thinking they're going to crush them. But uh, it still would be a monumental upset. And then, of course, next week would be one. And then the next week against the undefeated, probably Seminoles. So if you wanted to do, uh, get a stock report here on the, on the news channel, this, this stock for this Gator team is, is falling very quickly. And this game is notoriously chippy. And so if emotions are high anyway and they start fussing with each other, refs may be busy. Yeah, I, you nerve. can throw your shoe on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's take our friends over at Breda Pest Management for a moment. They're the official pest control of the Georgia Bulldogs. They protect Sanford Stadium. They can protect your home as well. BredaPest.com. With all the changes of weather, it's 80-something degrees today. This weekend, it's going to be kind of rainy, drizzly, overcast. Uh, bugs going to be moving around. And so that doesn't need to be happening in your home. Get Breda Pest over to where you live, and they can help you make sure that your home tailgate is just as great as uh, your tailgate when you get on campus. All right, Breda Pest Management, uh, BredaPest.com. Coach, I'm excited about this discussion here because you as a coach, Alabama – coming off a big emotional win. They're 8-1, and one, SEC West, firmly in the sights there. And you have to come off of that and have a 12 o'clock road game against Kentucky. It just feels like the energy could be a little bit low for that game. Alabama, 10.5-point favorite in Lexington. Well, you know, uh, anyway, you call it, uh, the win over Mississippi State was a road win, and you needed it, but Mississippi State can't score on anybody. I mean, they're – they can't, they can't generate any offense, but uh, occasionally this Kentucky team steps up and plays a really good half or three quarters. And th- this is kind of physical game where, you know, Alabama doesn't spread you out as much uh, and they're counting on their quarterback now to make some plays. But Kentucky maybe can step up and stop that running game a little bit. If Alabama plays its non-mistake-free game like they have a couple times in a row, no chance for Kentucky, but if all of a sudden Alabama gets these uh, penalties, we've had three games this year over ten penalties. If they get Milrow throw a couple bad plays where he get two or th- two or three picks, this Kentucky team uh, has the firepower uh, with their receivers and with uh, you know their running game to to maybe cause a little problem. The biggest thing is Leary is starting to really focus now and throw the ball consistently well, which. We thought Brent and I talked about it coming in from NC State. He had that capabilities. He just hadn't done it in any games. But all of a sudden, against Tennessee and and to a certain extent against Mississippi State, I give them a shot. But I mean, it's not like it going in with a shotgun. Maybe just like a forty-four in this game. I, I think they got a real minimal shot. And Vegas agrees with you, Dane. I mean that 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 number to me was the most interesting spread number of the weekend, especially given what Alabama did to LSU. But I think Vegas is looking at and being like, all right, LSU can't defend basically anyone. But I, I will say this, watching that game and watching a good portion of that game, if Alabama starts doing the design running game consistently with Milrow like they did against LSU, that's a little scary because – like if you look at that game, he had 71 yards on design runs where like it was a QB true QB run. He had 81 in all the other games. Like they hadn't really done it at all. 
And if you start doing those things where he's a true running threat on plays, some of the things that uh, that split zone type plays that we've talked about consistently on film, don't lie, using him because he's a just scary runner uh, as, as a QB, like big and fast and, and very just very explosive as a runner. That adds a whole nother element to their offense to me that makes them way more interesting than what I would have thought about previous to that game. Because if they were just going to let him be a straight drop back guy and, and he's going to hang in the pocket and only run when he had to. Okay. I, I very much think, but if he, if they're going to use the design running game, like, but like you said, noon at Kentucky, that like Kentucky's going to be physical with him. It's a very interesting game. Like you think that lineup, by the way, that's a great day of watching SEC football for any any fan. Coach, I got to give you a little bit of credit too because you said early on that you saw something in Jalen Road that could take this sport by storm. And I think that was on full display against LSU. That first month of the season, he's getting benched. Other guys are getting tryouts. And you said that's, that's the guy. It's going to work itself out. And sure enough, it did against LSU. Well, he's got all the attributes. Plus, he's a leader, and the kids look up to him. But uh, not many guys can run that fast at, at his size, and he's a more than adequate passer. But uh, maybe they just felt like they didn't want to take a chance on him getting hurt or putting too much on his plate early, letting him run, as Brent said, the design runs. But he uh, he's a great equalizer to the pass rush, kind of like what Daniels is to uh, LSU and you know the offensive line for let's let's face it this offensive line for Alabama is not anything to write home about they've had a lot of problems all year but it, it really enhances them when your quarterback can run now and you start faking that ball up inside and then all of a sudden they had where he ran it and scored four touchdowns but they started handing it off up the middle and it looked like LSU wasn't even there they were worried about him going outside so uh Kentucky can can play with them at the line of scrimmage. It's just a question of big plays. Uh, you know, notoriously, Kentucky has started fast in some games, and uh, Alabama has started slow. When you when you look at the 21-21 halftime score there, they were behind Texas the whole game, and then they were behind 28-21 against LSU. So maybe Kentucky can jump out there and get after them, but they can't start like – and, you know, they started out 14 nothing against Missouri too. So. We'll see how it runs, but uh, i like to see the Cats get it rolling here one more time before basketball gets running up there. I know you were happy to see Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks find a way to beat Florida. That game went to overtime. Arkansas's three and six now, but a home favorite against Auburn, Brett. Uh, this game is intriguing for so many reasons to me. The the most, like, which Arkansas is real? It is the change in offensive coordinator really changing what they can do on the scoreboard because last week looked like a different team. Yeah, that's a complete reset button. Like exactly as you said, looked like a completely different team. Went on the went a game on the road. What was it? Was it the first time ever? I think I saw that they first time ever on Ben Hill Griffin. Yeah, that they'd won a game there. I mean, I like I like Arkansas in this matchup. I like the newfound energy. Like when you're when you're as a team struggle that much, you lose that many consecutive games. You take a breather, and then you get the addition by subtraction part with the with the offensive coordinator switch. Like. It's that energy that their momentum momentum is there is real. And, and I think they're going to be just fine this week. And, you know, Auburn's probably looking ahead to the tough matchup they have coming up down the road. You know, New Mexico State has won five games in a row and is now seven and three. Hey, New, Mexico they have next week. New Mexico State's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it, yes. it's a tougher. 
tougher game than most people think. Hundred percent. Jerry kills a good coach, uh, and uh, you know they've they've really uh, developed out there. But uh, getting back to Arkansas, a lot of one possession games they lost, and you know it just kind of takes it out of you. But all of a sudden you got that situation now. Hey, Rocket Sanders is playing, gives takes all the pressure off. Uh, of your quarterback where he's just having to make every play, although he played brilliantly throughout the game. And then, you know, the kids feel like the sense of direction, it'd be one thing to hire uh, a temporary guy and put him in there and they, you know, ho-ho, we didn't really do much. But all of a sudden they had success. So these kids are going to believe even more in their coordinator and and they're going to be playing at home against with a crowd that's, desperate to see their team play well. I mean, you know, they played so poorly. Even in their opening game, they played poorly. Uh, and so I think it's just a real formula for uh, Auburn coming in there against a, a team that they don't need to be playing these guys at, at, with this kind of uh, emotion compared to what somebody would have picked them a couple weeks ago. So Auburn has got a pretty good sense of direction now. I mean, the quarterback's throwing the ball better. Uh and their defense is solid as a rock. I mean, they make you earn everything. They're well coached under this Rodgers guy who came in from Baylor. So, uh, I think even though it's a matchup of a team that's only won three games, uh, Auburn's still not bowl eligible. But, um, you know, it looks like they get one of these two and then they got Bama. And, hey, stranger things have happened in Jordan-Hare when Bama and Auburn play. I'd love for that game to have some stakes. I'd love for Alabama to have to beat Auburn to make it to Atlanta. I don't think it's going to work out that way, but man, that'd be great for just by entertainment pleasure. Coach, I'm just going to set up this next matchup for you because you get a chance to talk about Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. Five and four in the year. They're 18 and a half point favorites at home against Mississippi State. They should definitely win this to get to six wins, bowl eligibility. This is not the season I think that they wanted down there in College Station. Yeah, I would just ask the question. I'm sure Brent studies the film, too. I don't real, really know what their protection scheme is because it's life or death for the quarterback on every pass. It's, you know, it's whether he's going to get it off. It's, it's for sure he's going to get hit. Uh, Max Johnson has taken more hits than Rocky Three took. I mean, he's gotten hit every way. He broke his rib last week. Hopefully he'll be able to play. Uh, you know, they had that game on the table for them. I mean, they had a lot of chances and uh, missed, missed a tough field goal at the end. But uh, realistically, uh, just a downer for uh, for this A&M team. Uh, in their defense, they played without three corners. You take three corners off any team, it's going to be hard to put backups, in, even though their line's pretty good. But no excuse. I mean, everybody's playing with, it, it, with different kind of injuries. But, of course, Mississippi State, he probably painted a goal line in Zach Arnett's driveway so he could practice going across it on his way to work. <laughs> just a, a poor offensive scheme, poor offensive team. They can't, can't do anything, and I hate it for the kids because, you, you know, uh, in, in they, they had some really good players coming back, but they changed the system and it hadn't worked. But should be a get-well game for A&M. But, you know, there's got to be a lot of – don't you think – I'll turn it over to uh, Brent. There's got to be a lot of apathy in that A&M, uh, not only locker room, but uh, among the fans. And, and you know, hey, what's the deal? He's three games under what the guy he replaced his record was after seven years. And th- what's what's hard is when you watch them play is the game management. Like that, that's the thing where – and especially when you think about a generation 
uh, of fans who've grown up playing Madden. Like, if you played Madden at all as a kid and even some as an adult that get into it big time, you understand the game management pieces to it. And that's just not there. It's missing, consistently missing in terms of that. And it's got to be frustrating uh, as a fan of Texas A&M. Miss State, do you have anything left? I don't know. My coach said that was, uh, it's, it's been rough for them. Uh, I, I do think watching and seeing how many, seeing what Texas A&M's roster, what happens to their roster after the season, very interesting moving forward. They get Alcorn State. It's, no, it's Abilene Christian next week and then LSU after that. If A&M has to watch Texas potentially be in the college football playoff and then join the SEC, that's just going to be a pretty chatty offseason down there in the state of Texas. Yes. Yeah, I mean, people say, hey, well, they can just get the money and pay them off and everything. But let's just say, you know, you got $76 million payout, but you got you don't realize all the other uh, you got assistant coaches that have big contracts. You got staff. You got to, whatever it takes to bring a new coach in is going to be at least that much uh, from a package standpoint. So, you know, $150, 200000000 million when you change coaches is even for a place that, that's got that much uh, firepower is something you got to look at. But, but also, as an athletic director, as a president, or whoever it may, you've got to say, what makes us think we're going to be any better when we keep saying, okay, we're going to be, we, we keep having these recruiting classes, but we don't, we don't do any better. And like you were mentioning Brent on the transfer portal, the only thing that's going to help them in a the transfer portal, I don't know if a lot of schools are going to be willing to pay what, uh, but these, but Texas A&M paid these guys. So uh, that might be a way for them to keep some of them too, but uh, definitely, uh, Probably the is two biggest disappointments this year to me are, are Florida and Texas A&M. Just uh, absolutely nothing. I can hear you heartbroken about the Florida piece of that. <laughs> I hear it in your voice. Uh, if you want to find a way to improve, even if Texas A&M can, they can be with your yard with Connor grading and landscaping. I'm just going to read to you what a friend of mine told me. Uh, he texted me this today. He said that, I heard about Connor grading and landscaping through around the league, and I was having some real mushy and wet spots in my lawn just a few months after irrigation was put in. The irrigation folks, they said they didn't want to come check it out. They said it's just fine. So he called Connor grading and landscaping for a second opinion. They identified the problem quickly, fixed it, and then in a few days it saved a couple hundred dollars on their water bill, and then that they're going to come back and do some more work in the spring for them. So they're very nice and very helpful. Knocked it out for a, a very fair, a customer-friendly price. I can't say it any better. That's what Connor Grading and Landscaping does. So thanks to Jack for telling me about your experience with them. Yeah, we probably need to send them out there to see A&M and get that offensive line straight. <laughs> can't do much grading over there. That is for sure. Uh, Brett, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. South Carolina's 13.5-point favorite. Last I mean, chance for Vandy. Hey, that by the way, Jacksonville State, we thought I mean we talked about it. That was a ball game. Like they had the ball with the chance to go win it and then pick six the other way. Uh they at least covered the spread, I think. Uh but yeah, last chance for Vandy. Still don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, this South Carolina team gives up uh yards by the gazillions, and uh, you know. Unfortunately, they keep getting linemen hurt offensively, so Rattler's running for his life. But that, 
if they get Juice Wells back to go with uh, the other guys they got, it, it'll certainly help their attack. And they've got, you know, a uh, similar situation there with the uh, Bandy, Kentucky, and uh, Clemson coming up. And they got to win all three to get a, get a bowl game. And, uh, you know, one thing about Beamer, they've been tough in November. I mean, look at the way they came on strong last year. Uh, I don't see see them winning all three of these because I think they'll be a definite underdog to Kentucky and Clemson. But they should take care of business against Vandy. But, you know, the thing about Vandy is uh, they're due to have some good things happen to them. Every time they even get close, something happens. So uh, these kids turn on the tape. They see everybody moving the ball on – uh, South Carolina, and they got to feel like they got a shot. And uh, all of a sudden, the fans aren't showing up there at Williams Bryce. I mean, you saw the stands the other day; it was unbelievable. I mean, I thought it was—I was looking at one of those women's basketball games where they got everybody in real uh-huh. tight, and that—and it sold out. But at South Carolina women's basketball gives them something to be fired up about. I mean, they got that young girl from Columbia playing for them against Notre Dame. Man, she was tough, but. I just think South Carolina is looking at credibility now. You you got to look like you got something to build on here to talk about for next year. If all of a sudden they go and and end up three and nine or four and eight, that's um, going to be a lot of question marks about that program. And three home games to wrap up for South Carolina. So if it goes really bad south, that happens right in front of your home crowd, which, as you say, Coach, may not be a lot of them there. But usually that's the indictment that kind of gets wheels moving. Uh, just Especially a- when you're playing your arch rival. Um, I mean, and everybody's and, – and for 365 days, those people from South Carolina just been giving it to Clemson because they finally beat them after like seven or eight years. But now – you know Clemson's going to have a burn their saddle too. So, uh, uh, big win for Clemson uh, against Notre Dame. I mean, a really good turnaround for them. And uh, you know they got got to play North Carolina still. So uh, we'll see how they end up. But South Carolina, to me, uh, just hate they've had so many injuries, but just no depth in their defense. They got to look at making a change defensively. What they're doing. I mean, they give up thirty points to to anybody they play. So. I think the only team that hadn't scored 30 on them is Georgia. Brent, I know you wanted Rich Rod to pull that out for yes. Jacksonville State. Your, your West Virginia heart, I could hear it yep. from through, through my phone. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you now, and Brent knows that uh, he, he's one of the brilliant offensive minds that's ever been in college football. Uh, he used to come down to our uh, clinics when I was at Marshall and talk ball with us and when he was coaching up there to – I think it's Glenville State. Uh, that is correct. But he really, uh, really knows how to move the ball and uh, loves football. Just a football junkie. Uh, has had some bad breaks. Uh, you know, he lost that game to Pittsburgh when they had been playing for a national championship. But uh, just a very good coach. And I think they got it rolling now uh, over there at Jacksonville State. I mean, you can always get players there. It's it's in Alabama where they get some good transfers and all. And uh, – uh, happy for Rich Rod. Just that's all the bad just memories. Had, just just had to bring that. Had to bring yeah. that one up. Well, let's finish with a positive topic for us all. Uh, Georgia, Ole Miss, ten and a half point favorite. Brent, Coach, and I talked a lot on UGA Sports Live. What do you think this matchup for the dogs? Prime time game of the week. I mean, it's going to be a phenomenal game. I think, and, and there's so many elements to it that we talked about uh, on the film don't lie Ole Miss preview that folks can see uh, on this YouTube channel, but. 
I will say the two big differences in terms of this game versus the Georgia-Missouri game. One is offensive line play. Missouri's offensive line significantly better than Ole Miss's. And thus, you know, you're, create, you're using or depending yards getting on misdirection and breaking tackles. Like that, from a consistency standpoint, not going to work over time unless Georgia doesn't handle the misdirection and or doesn't tackle well. The other part is we talked about how Missouri strengths and were at corner. Like their two corners, really good. Not so much their strengths weren't at safety. That flips with Ole Miss. Their strength of their secondary is at safety. Two safeties, really good. One of the safeties, high, one of the highest graded safeties in the in the conference. Not as much at corner. And if you look at Beck's numbers against Missouri, he was out outside the numbers, just three of five for forty-one yards. One of those was the you know jump ball to Rara on fourth down. Everything else, eighteen of twenty-four, two thirteen between the numbers. I think that could you know. A lot more attacking outside outside the numbers. What we've seen a lot, RPO game winning, you know, quick stuff on the outside, getting the ball there versus, versus what they did and focused sort of between the numbers against Missouri. That's it. But I, I do think this is going to be a phenomenal game uh, and one that, much like last week, is back and forth, and whoever makes the mistakes is going to lose. Yeah, I mean, mistakes got to be what, what Ole Miss is hoping for. They haven't been a good road team like 20 points less per game on uh, and, uh, on the road compared to at home and almost 200 yards difference in their uh, offensive total. So the crowd's going to affect them. Uh, you, know, you know, they have a, a, this hurry-up offense, which Georgia knows how to get lined up and, and play against them. They can't afford a lot of three-and-outs against Georgia because I think Georgia's going to control the ball, have a superior kicking game. Uh, Georgia's really close to breaking some of these kick returns, and they got, you know, an unbelievable – I mean, you saw last week uh, Ole Miss blocked a field goal and had one blocked against them too for a touchdown. So, kicking game will be big. But bottom line, you're playing at night. Uh, neither one of you guys were even – had reached puberty the last time Georgia lost to 2009 at home at night. So, uh, it's going to be definitely in Georgia's favor. Uh, but I think – certainly presents a big challenge for uh, Georgia to play against this Ole Miss team. It's going to help the resume if they can get that W as far as the national, um, you know, rankings and everything. Ole Miss, the only SEC team that Kirby Smart has not defeated. Well, only played them once, and it was in the first season. So it's a bit of a misleading stat. I, I do wonder started. if Lane went and watched that game. Like, did he go back? Because I vividly remember there being just wide open receivers in that game. So – yeah, we had, some, back we had some guys that they picked up at the bus station on the way to the airport playing corner that game. Yeah. But just really bad. Our secondary that year was – and uh, Freeze didn't let up either. I mean, they, they destroyed us. So, But, hey, that's neither here nor there. But um, enjoyed uh, getting to go over all these games. Appreciate our sponsors and glad to hear people are listening to what you say about these sponsors and looking at what they can do for it because we wouldn't have them uh, helping out our show if we didn't really believe in them too. And uh, so appreciate you. If you do uh, have some interesting situations that you can report to us at nothing better than word of mouth. Absolutely. And we appreciate Brady Pest and Connor grading and landscaping. Just peeking ahead to the SEC schedule next week. There's a lot of, we mentioned New Mexico state, Chattanooga's in there. UL Monroe's in there. Southern Abilene Christian, I think Abilene so. Christian, uh, FIU. So although, Coach, you mentioned New Mexico State a little bit better 
Houston, which Five I think is Auburn. Hey, and that Chattanooga Mocs, man, they were playing for the Southern Conference Championship last week against uh, Furman, lost in a real close game. But, uh, you know, they got one of the better one double-A teams. But, you know, they're not going to go in there and beat Alabama. They could maybe go in there and scare them a little bit. But uh, I think the same with Georgia State with LSU. I've seen Georgia State compete with good teams. Georgia State's got an offense, but for some reason they didn't play it last week. Uh, the coach got really mad and jumped on him a little bit. He's done a heck of a job over there, but uh, they, you know, James Madison, man, I mean, nine and zero. Oh, uh, everybody needs to let them go on and play in a bowl game. I mean, you know, this bowl only, game, put them in the playoff. Yeah, second. Yeah, let's play them in the first round. I love that. <laughs> there is uh, one game, Dane, that we did not talk about. That's that's very that's very important on the show right here. The West Virginia Mountaineers go to the Oklahoma Sooners. This I week. know. That I was starting to ask you. I can't believe that lines that much. Uh, oh, you like double digit favor in the Mountaineers. I mean, just a tragedy. They lost that Houston game where they'd really be in the they, like exactly that. They that's a game they should have won. But hey, Neil Brown's actually got it rolling a little bit, a little bit. They're a lot yeah. less boring now. Give them credit. That's a good comeback for the Mountaineers. We'll discuss it all next time when we uh, do our show. Thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping. Thanks to Breda Pass Management for Jim Don and Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.